Welcome to Ghost of a Podcast. I'm your host, Jessica Lignato. I'm an astrologer, psychic medium, and animal communicator, and I'm going to give you your weekly horoscope and no bullshit mystical advice for living your very best life. Lovers and haters, I have a fantastic question this week from someone named Loyalty, and she says, I've been told by many people in my life that I can only see black or white and that my expectations of others are too high. Past lovers have said that I can be extremely specific, too intense, and that I basically want to date myself. Personally, I find that I lose myself, get overwhelmed, and even obsessive in romantic relationships. I expect a loyalty and honesty that others just can't uphold. I didn't have the easiest childhood mentally, and I have worked hard on my self-growth for many years. For as long as I can remember, all I've wanted was to be with my soulmate. Is the universe a better place if I stay single? Am I meant to walk the earth mostly solo because of some karmic debt? Thank you, Loyalty. And Loyalty was born May 28th, 1988 at 7.53 p.m. in Secaucus, New Jersey. And I apologize to all the all, all the Secaucians if I've said this wrong because I feel pretty confident that I've said it wrong. Okay, so there's a lot to unpack in this question, but Loyalty, let me tell you something straight out the gate. Your description of both how you experience yourself and also how other people have described you is textbook Pluto. It's just textbook Pluto. You've literally used all the key words and all the key descriptions of a strong Pluto placement in the birth chart. And I want to share this with you for a couple of reasons. One is if you just listened to that question and you were like, that's me, you too probably have, I would say most likely have a strong Pluto placement, which is to say Pluto in a difficult aspect to a personal planet or on an angle in the birth chart. And again, I'm going to get right to your question here, loyalty, but interesting factoid about astrology is that when we are speaking, when we are describing ourselves whether it's our internal experience or our life experiences. What we're doing is we are embodying and describing parts of our birth chart. And so each planet and even each zodiac sign has language, language that is classic of it, that describes it. What you can do over the course of time is hear different planets speaking. So you can know what part of the birth chart an individual is describing of themselves. If you are practicing astrology with the hope and intent to counsel other people, this is a really valuable thing to notice. How we articulate individual planets in our birth chart has a lot to do with where we're at in the evolution of our embodiment of the lessons of that particular aspect in the birth chart, whatever that is. And I share this because, as I said, loyalty, even your the, the sign-off name that you've chosen, loyalty, very Plutonian. And in fact, you have a Pluto in Scorpio, and Scorpio is ruled by the planet Pluto. Pluto in Scorpio in the 12th house conjunct your moon, which means you are super hecka, very intense, very intense emotionally. The moon is your emotions and Pluto is obsession seeing things as all on, all off, or black and white, as you put it. It can give you incredibly high expectations of yourself and others, and it can make you come across as incredibly demanding. But as you astutely noted, that's not how it feels on the inside. You don't feel like you're being demanding. You feel like you give of yourself so completely and so compulsively that all you're asking is to be met in the middle. However, 
where you tend to go emotionally is not super healthy or sustainable, even for you. And so when you're asking people to meet you in the middle, it's actually not a healthy or safe place even for you to be. But your fears and your compulsions kind of go into survival mode, making it really hard for you to see that in the moment because you're so busy defending yourself, keeping yourself safe. Before I get into your birth chart too much, I want to point something out here, and it's really important. You did a very good job of actually sharing and reflecting your self-awareness, right? You've obviously done a lot of work on yourself that you can hold space for other people's experience of you and your own experience of yourself in such a clear way. So good on you, girl. But what I think is really important for me to acknowledge here is that you went from the self-awareness to feeling out of control. So you say that you want a soulmate and you ask if you're basically destined to be single forever and that you've done something wrong and you are being punished, this idea of a karmic debt, right? So you've got this idea of a karmic debt. I've done something wrong. I want a soulmate more than anything, but I seem to be trapped. I seem to be punished. And so you've gone from a place of agency and self-awareness to almost being victimized by the universe, almost being forced into a corner. And this is very human and very normal. I'm not trying to be critical of you, but I want to just reflect back to you that there's this agency, agency, agency that you hold over your own self, your choices, your relationships, and then this sense of it doesn't matter what I do. And I want to tell you it does matter what you do. There is absolutely hope for you. In fact, you have four planets in the seventh house, and the seventh house in astrology is the place of partnership. It's close, intimate relationships. There is absolutely no indication here that you are, quote, supposed to end up single or that you have to be alone. However, darling, that feeling that you have of being alone, no matter what you do, of people not doing the right thing by you. People never being good enough, essentially, and never meeting your expectations, that is something that you have to work with. Now, I didn't say work on. You have to work on it too, yes. But it is something to work with. There are several things in your birth chart, not just the Pluto moon conjunction in the 12th house, although that, my dear, is a big one. There are several things in your birth chart that indicate that you have a deeply spiritual sense of being alone. Your internal world, your emotional and psychological world are so intense and so loud that it can distract you from the material circumstances that you're in and make those material circumstances more dire feeling. That does not mean that you are in any way doomed or that you're broken or anything like that. All that it means is your wiring is intense. That's all. It means you're intense. And you know, when we have a sensitivity to, I don't know, dairy, it's not because you're anything other than lactose-sensey. Maybe you're lactose intolerant. I don't know. So what do you do? You eat pizza? You put milk in your coffee? No. Instead, you try to avoid dairy, right? Or you're going to be uncomfortable or very sick, depending on your body. Same thing is true with emotional or psychic or uh, psychological sensitivities. If you can just accept that you are sensitive, then that means you need to do things behaviorally, psychologically, to support that intensity. I want to really ground you into, now that I've just taken away this idea that you're like destined for solo life, 
And I want to take away the idea that you don't get a soulmate if that's what you choose. I have talked about the concept of soulmates on the podcast before. I am not a huge uh, fan of the idea of a soulmate. I actually believe that every person we have contact is a soulmate on some level because we are souls in bodies. Any amount of connection is a soul connection. Uh, so, so that's my kind of like hot take on that. It, when you say soulmate, you mean a deeply spiritual connection or a deeply felt connection with someone that you can have a long-term committed close relationship with, right? So to that, I say, yes, you can absolutely have that. But let me tell you what having a soulmate isn't. It isn't having someone who can read your mind. It isn't having someone who will always know what you're feeling and how to react to it or how to respond to it. It doesn't mean someone who will always feel what you feel, want what you want, do what you want. And the truth of the matter is when you have a Pluto moon conjunction, that can feel like being abandoned or being harmed. It is essential that you find a way to take responsibility for the intensity of your emotions without feeling resentful about it, without feeling like taking responsibility for yourself or how you feel for your own intensity is not a punishment and it's not a sentence towards being isolated. It isn't. It's simply your lactose intolerance, a.k.a. your nature. It's just a sensitivity that you have. And if you can accept it, truly accept it, you can start recognizing when you're getting all riled up. So as an example, when you have someone in your life who you're starting to date and they say they'll text you at 5 and it's 5.30 and they haven't texted you, your Pluto moon conjunction will start to compel you to feel like that is a massive rejection. Maybe you're going to start insta-stalking them. Maybe you're going to start obsessively, compulsively researching why this is and decide either it's something very wrong with you or something very wrong with them. And the thing that's complicated about that is it could simply be that you are not compatible, that they're the kind of person who throws around promises and doesn't really mean it. And that's not about anything other than they are not the right kind of person for you. Or something could have happened. Shit happens. Life happens. Recognizing, oh shit, somebody has made me a promise and I take things incredibly literally and seriously and I'm starting to spin out because they are not doing what they said they would do in the way I understood it, right? As soon as that occurs, what I would advise you to start doing is recognizing this is a major trigger for me. And that doesn't mean I'm being traumatized. It doesn't mean I'm being actively harmed necessarily. I can decide that later. But right now, I know that this is a major trigger for me. So maybe I need to get offline. Maybe I need to distract myself with something constructive. And that could be any number of things. It could be physical activity. It could be listening to music. When you are getting triggered and you know your compulsions are being engaged is not the time to figure out the motives of the other person. And it's not the time to figure really anything out. It's the time to meet yourself in your intensity. That's what it is. That means taking the feelings at face value and supporting yourself through the feelings instead of trying to figure out why you feel what you feel and why it's happening. This is really important additionally because you are of the generation that has a Uranus-Saturn-Neptune conjunction. Now, Neptune's uh, a little far. It's a, it's, a wide, it's a wide conjunction, but Uranus and Saturn are real tight. Uh, and Uranus is in its final moments of Sagittarius. You have Saturn and Capricorn and Neptune and Capricorn. And your Saturn return is over. We're not talking about it. It's done. I mean, you're integrating it. 
You're integrating it, which means the past couple years have been really intense for you. You've been doing a lot of growth and a lot of healing. And because you have these three planets in the first house, and to clarify, I am using the Campanus house system. Because you have these three planets in the first house, because you've been going through your sun return for a couple years, and now you're in the integration phase, what we really see is that you have a way that you like to be in control of yourself, but you're really emotional and you're really sensitive. And so it's hard for you to feel in control of yourself. You do not have a great game face, girl. I'm sorry. You don't have a great game face. Your emotions play on the surface because when we have planets in the first house, it's right on the surface. We are terrible at hiding our first house planets. Sorry. That's just how it works. I don't make the rules. So anyways, because you have these three planets in the first, you tend to take yourself very seriously and you want things resolved kind of quickly. It's hard for you to tolerate not knowing where you stand or who you're with. And that's why your exes have said to you, you basically want to date yourself. You want to date a mind reader. But I can tell you as a professional psychic, even as a professional psychic, it is never my job to read the minds of my friends or lovers. It's not what you do in your personal relationships. It's really important that we talk to people. It's really important that we find ways of tolerating difference. We all have different inner worlds. We all have different astrological makeup. And we are all going to approach something we love, something we want, something we hate, something we don't want in our own unique style. And that's not meant as a rejection of, of others. What it is is difference. If you can kind of in some way depersonalize that, then you can do the work of recognizing, I have a choice. Is this dynamic actually unhealthy for me because these differences are incompatible for me? If that's the case, then you get to say, thank you very much, sir, and good day. I am not going to be doing this with you. Or you might decide, this is triggering. This is upsetting. I wish that when they said that they would call it five, they actually called it five instead of between five and eight. Because <laughs> that drives me fucking nuts. But they always call between five and eight. They always have a meaning, you know, like a reason that is reasonable to them, even if it makes me nuts. And I am going to continue to stay in this dynamic and I'm going to see where it goes. You have a choice. When you lose track of your own agency, of your own choice to stay in a dynamic that may be a compromise, that may be wonderful, that may be difficult, whatever it is, that's when the kind of more compulsive, and self-destructive parts of your nature get engaged. When you recognize that you are choosing to be in this, and there must be something you're getting out of this if you're continuing to choose to be in this, and what is that thing? That's where your compulsions get a little smaller, a little less loud, and your access to your own healthy inner resourcing, and maybe the external resources you've put in place, become a little more accessible. You can use them more gracefully. And that's what it's all about, my friend. That's what it's all about. So you also have a Uranus-Venus opposition in your birth chart. Uranus is also opposite Mercury. And let me tell you what that means. It means a lot of things. But it does mean that you are restless. You are not patient. You do not have a patient bone in your body, sir. Not at all. And that paired with compulsion can mean that you say, probably very eloquently, what you're thinking when you're upset without a great deal of forethought of what the impact of sharing that is. Again, it can make you come across as pretty damn demanding. And so I want to share something with you. There's what you want to say to get off your chest because you know you're right and because you've thought this through and you have access to a really incisive insight. And then there's what you want them to hear. 
You can break down in great detail how they've done something wrong and how hurtful it is and where you've come from and how come it's so important that they are more respectful. You can do that. You'll be right, but you will have alienated that person and they will have not heard what you're saying. Because when we come at people with great intensity, they generally only feel that intensity and they're not able to hear the words because they're emotionally responding to feeling aggressed upon or criticized or whatever it is. What you want to think about is, okay, I'm so upset. I'm so upset. And I can tell my dear diary and my best friend all the things that I'm so upset about. But what I need this person to hear is, I trust you. And when you give me your word that you're going to call me at five and then you don't call me till seven, it makes me feel like I can't trust you. Can you be more intentional with what you say to me because I'm a literal person? Maybe that's what you actually need them to hear. Not (laughs) all the deep and intense things that you're feeling and why it's important and why you're right and why they're wrong, which is a little bit your compulsion. Pluto wants us to do stuff like that. But being mindful about the difference between what you want to get off your chest and what you want the other person to actually hear is a very valuable relationship skill that can help you long term. Recognizing that there are times at which you're not able to process with someone else because you're too riled up in yourself, that's okay. It doesn't mean that you're going to be alone. It means it is wise and healthy to say to yourself, I need to be alone with myself so that I can find my truth and figure out what I'm feeling and figure out within that what I need to communicate to my dear diary, my shrink, my bestie, versus what I need to communicate to this person I'm dating. Being able to do that is just an invaluable life skill that will make your relationships more successful. Not just it will be easier for other people and they won't have that sense of like you want to date yourself, but also it will make it so that when other people don't show up for you, you can be like, oh, they're not right for me because I did all the work that I needed to do on me. And if they're not able or willing to meet me in the middle of that, then that's just not compatible for me. And that's really healthy. My friend, it's very freaking healthy. I will say something else, which is that you have a sun conjunction to the opposite point of the ascendant. And this means, yeah, you want to be partnered. Like you super really want to be partnered. Now, what's complicated here is that you have this Pluto moon conjunction that compels you to want something really intense where you're always together and you're totally merged. However, The strong Uranus and Saturn in your birth chart, in particular, Uranus in the first, opposite Venus and Mercury in the seventh, it inclines you to actually need a great deal of space. So what you need is trust. Now, as I said, you've been going through your Saturn return. It's been a thing. It's not been easy, but I have really great news. I mean, maybe you won't think it's great news, but I think it's really great news. You are currently going through a Uranus opposition to your moon, once in a lifetime transit, fabulous transit, very upsetting. It's a very upsetting transit. What it does is it indicates that your emotional nature, your feelings around safety, your survival mechanisms, all these things that Pluto moon conjunction in your birth chart governs are being triggered. They're being ferreted out. And they're being ferreted out because whenever we're going through oppositions by transit, we tend to experience it via projection aka in relationships, in relationships to others. So it might be because transiting Uranus is in your uh, house of work. It might be that people at work are really triggering you. It might be people in your personal life. But you are going through a period in 2020 where you get to change your survival mechanisms. And that is wonderful. It is not super chill. It is not 
terribly easy, but it is incredibly fertile. This is something I mentioned in the horoscope, actually, of last week's episode, that Uranus transits are an opportunity to kind of reset where we're in ruts. We need Uranus transits because they help us to grow in ways that we for sure wouldn't choose on our own, and they generally come with upsetting or unexpected circumstances, people, situations, whatevs. And so what I want to encourage you to do at this time is be open. Be open to seeing things differently. Be open to new approaches. Be open to doing what Uranus truly wants of us, which is to be present and not future and not past, just present. Can you stay present? And here's the thing. This isn't meant to be easy. This is meant to be transformative. This is going to be a year where you change in meaningful ways. That is exactly what you need based on the question you've asked me. And you've asked me absolutely the right question, loyalty. Having loyalty for yourself needs to be at the center of how you approach your relationships, not as a way to defend yourself, but as a way to embrace and love yourself. That's the center of it all. And the good news is, I think you're going to do the goddamn work. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I do. I wrote a book. It's Astrology for Real Relationships, Understanding You, Me, and How We All Get Along. It is pretty awesome, if I may say so myself. And I'm taking it on the road to you, New York. That's right. I'm going to be in New York February the 12th through the 18th, and I've got a bunch of events scheduled, and I hope to see you there. Go to my website at lovelaniato.com slash events, and the link will be in show notes to see which event you want to come to. Also, Bay Area, I got stuff planned for you this spring. Check out lovelaniato.com slash events to learn more. This week, we're going to look at January 26th through February 1st, 2020. I will never tire of saying 2020, and I I just invite you to repeat it after me. I mean, I'm not going to say it again because that's just obnoxious, but 2020. Okay, I did it. Okay, this week, there's a lot. I mean, I say that every week because it's always a lot because it's life. But last week's horoscope from episode 83 was so Uranian. We had that new moon in Aquarius. We had all this Uranus stuff happening. And so it was a little upsetting. It was disruptive. There was a lot of surprises and restless energy. And that brings us to this week where we have a lot more Neptunian energy. So before I get into details, I just want to take a moment to talk about these two planets, Uranus and Neptune. They experientially both govern anxiety, but really different kinds of anxiety. Uranus is your nervous system. It's that nervy feeling of being distracted or restless. Uh, It governs like ADD stuff or ADHD stuff. Neptune is also anxiety, but it's much more panic attacky. In fact, it governs anxiety disorders. Neptune anxiety is a kind of worry-fueled anxiety. What will happen? Am I going to be okay? Am I okay now? Kind of sky is falling feelings. Both of these planets govern anxiety, but in really different ways. And I want to name this for a number of reasons. One is because to have two weeks in a row that are so heavily influenced by each of these planets, one at a time kind of thing, is likely to really mess with your anxiety level. And if you are more susceptible to Uranian energy or Neptunian energy, is specific to you and your birth chart. 
However, when we are talking about transits that are impacting all of us and the world around us, it's really not just about you, is it? Because if you're not especially impacted by, let's say, Uranus, this kind of like restless, distracted, uh, nervous tension kind of energy, but everyone on the road who's driving their cars is going through it, well, you're going to have to deal with it one way or another. Or maybe everybody at work is dealing with it. Or maybe your partner cannot get off their damn phone because that's how they're coping with mental anxiety or mental restlessness. Similarly, with Neptune stuff, as we're about to see this week, when you're dealing with Neptune energies, when you're dealing with an anxiety that makes you uncertain of who you are, where you are, what's up, when that's happening, what can also happen is you are dealing with people who are acting weird. They're not being clear. They're not being consistent. They're responding to you in an odd way. And that's because they're going through transits too. They're, we're all in this together, like it or not. Even the people you look up to or you rely on to be your wise counsel or your sense of direction, your mentors, everyone's going through this. So what I want you to do this week is pay attention to not just how you're feeling, but how you are reacting to how other people are being weird, because it's likely to get a little weird. People respond to Neptune energies in their birth chart and by transit by being a little weird. And it's because it impacts our internal world so meaningfully that it's hard to be completely focused on the external world, which means you might miss things, you might misinterpret things, you might be a little out of step with things. And that's just how it goes. So have patience, offer the same grace to others that when you're feeling off, you wish you could get. And know that when you offer grace to others, when you are kind or generous or choose to not take things personally, when people act messy, even if they don't offer that in return to you, it makes your own life easier to bear. And if people aren't capable of offering that in return to you, then you have valuable information that you can and should use moving forward in your relationship to them. Adjust your expectations, adjust what you give, adjust the energy with which you give it. However, don't compromise yourself because someone else doesn't live in a way that you think is especially healthy or wonderful. Like, don't be a dick because you're dealing with a dick. That's not great. Instead, be the person that you intend and hope to be, whether or not it gets you points or it's being reciprocated. It doesn't mean eat shit. It doesn't mean consent to dynamics and situations and relationships with people who aren't healthy for you, who can't meet you in a healthy way. You do you, and if you find that it is not healthy and right for you, then move it along. This week is a particularly meaningful one for this thing that I will talk about a lot. Do not process with people you do not trust. That's right. Don't have heart-searching, meaningful conversations with people that you don't trust. Once someone has truly compromised your trust, who's proven themselves to not be reliable or trustworthy, my friends, then don't keep on trusting them with your thoughts and feelings. How's that going to go, right? This kind of brings us into the astrology of the week. So again, it's January 26th through February 1st of 2020. And the first transit of the week, 
Venus square Mars is a transit that unless it's directly hitting your, your birth chart, you're really not going to feel. It's quite lovely for provoking tension between what you want and how you're going to get it. So it's really fun for flirting. It can be really helpful for uh, social interactions in general or for creative work in general. But Venus square to Mars is a really kind of a gentle pitch from the universe. So you're not going to necessarily feel it unless you choose to align yourself with it and, and really act on it. But you know, it's fun. It's cute. It's fun. That said, on the 27th, we will have a Venus conjunction to Neptune and you'll be feeling it on the 26th. It's just going to be exact on the 27th. Additionally, on the 28th, we have a Mars square to Neptune. Now on both of these days, fate would have it that the moon will be in Pisces. Pisces is the sign that is ruled by the planet Neptune. So this is going to boil down to a lot of soupy, sensey energy. Uh, this is going to be the 26th through the 30th, just a lot of Neptune energy, which may translate very broadly to feeling anxious, feeling off, feeling uncertain, catching yourself fixated on things that are strictly out of your control, out of your jurisdiction, honestly. This period is likely to make you feel really sensitive, just really sensitive. So I'm going to give you some general Neptune advice, and then we're going to get into the transit specifically. General Neptune advice, general Pisces advice, make sure you're sleeping enough. Make sure you're drinking enough water. Don't eat weird foods that you're like, is this actually a safe food for me to eat? Wash your hands. I said it. I'll say it again. Wash your hands. Uh, Neptune can kind of compromise the immune system. So you want to just take care of your physical health. Breathe. Remember to breathe. And be responsible about what you consume. So it's a very normal anxiety response to stress to grab your phone or your device and obsessively scroll, obsessively look through it. Resist that impulse. Neptune wants us to gravitate towards whole foods. It wants us to gravitate towards yoga poses. It wants us to gravitate towards things that are simple and organic and whole. Unfortunately, when Neptune really rears its head, it can find us comparing ourselves to others, making ourselves feel terrible by focusing on what we don't have. So it's really important that you take a real conscious approach this week to taking responsibility for where you allow your mind and energy and attention to focus. Make as much effort as you can to tend to the needs of your physical body because that makes it so much easier to notice when your spiritual or emotional life is off kilter, right? Because all of those things happen from within this meat suit that you are stuck in in this lifetime. I don't know. Maybe you don't feel stuck in your meat suit. Maybe you like it. Maybe it feels like a gift from the universe. I say congratulations to you. And to the rest of you, I want to say it's your only meat suit. Take care of it. So, the 27th, Venus conjunction to Neptune. This transit can bring up a highly romantic dynamic between you and someone else. You might meet someone, know absolutely nothing about them, and decide that they are perfect. They are perfect for you. They are perfect. They have more than you. They have better than you. Or you're meant to be with them. That's a fun one that happens a lot with Venus Neptune. It's I just know it's meant to be. I know we have a past life connection. Under this influence, know that all that glitters is not gold, that potential is beautiful, spiritual connection is delicious, it's not equal to data, 
Just because there is a spiritual connection does not mean you are compatible. It is healthy. Sometimes a spiritual connection is, in this lifetime, I am meant to look away (laughs) or say no. Spiritual connection doesn't equal yes. Spiritual connection only equals spiritual connection. So the Venus conjunction to Neptune is going to trigger a lot of fantastical feelings, and that can stimulate irresponsible financial dealings, aka spending money on trying to buy some happy. Don't buy happy. (laughs) See if you can sit with the impulse before you go spending money, especially large sums of money. This isn't a great time for, you know, dealing with contracts and stuff like that. It's not a Mercury transit. It's not Mercury retrograde yet, but it is absolutely, you know, kind of a bit of a soupy time. So you want to just triple check things if they're important to you, if they're going to have long-term consequences, and certainly if there is contracts involved or any kind of litigation involved. If you have to have a difficult conversation around this time, I want to give you this one word piece of advice, succinct, be succinct. Um, You may feel really called to give a lot of personal details, but because this energy is impacting everyone, consider that the other person or other people you're talking to may not have the space to take in all of your details. Don't just think about what you need to say. Think about what you need the other person to hear. Will too many words or a particular tone of voice make it so that they can't hear what you actually need them to hear and what you're trying to communicate? Now, on the 28th, you will still be feeling that Venus conjunction to Neptune, but that's not all. Mars will square Neptune, and the moon will still be in Pisces. This particular transit is not fantastic for feeling physically strong. Mars-Neptune connections can make us feel just exhausted, really just off. Uh, Again, wash your hands. This is not a great time for your immune system if this transit hits your chart in any kind of particular way. When Mars forms a square to Neptune, again, we have the risk of anxiety, of over-idealizing other people or situations and jumping to conclusions. Often those conclusions are fueled by anxiety, aka fear, aka uh, a sense of scarcity. In my view, Saturn governs actual scarcity thoughts and feelings and obsessions, but Neptune tends to focus on a comparison a comparison based on fantasy. So I just want to encourage you to stay grounded in the here and now. The positive of all this Neptune stuff is that it is excellent for getting aligned with your spiritual value system. If you are in a relationship or in a dynamic or situation where the thing you're doing, the thing you're connected to is inauthentic to you, you'll feel exhausted. You'll feel off. And that doesn't mean you'll figure out what to do yet. You know, it doesn't mean that that there's an answer associated with that. But being able to accurately identify a problem is essential in being able to find a useful solution, right? So don't look for answers. Clarify what is and isn't working, where you feel like you can be yourself and you can kind of honor your calling versus where you're phoning it in, where you don't feel free to be yourself and allow yourself to be clear about that. Because it's Neptune stuff, you're unlikely to find the answers right now. Allow yourself to be present with what isn't working. And I promise it can and will lead to greater clarity after the transit passes, which is in a couple few days. So give it a couple days, but stick with it if you can. Now, again, Neptune stuff is good for spiritual investigation. 
It's also good for all kinds of creative arts, in particular music, uh, creative writing, film, photography, that kind of stuff. And so if you're looking for a way to express yourself and words are failing you, get artsy. This might be a particularly stressful time for reading the news, for considering issues of social and political import, because Neptune goes into, oh my God, I'm helpless, it's hopeless kind of thinking. That's okay. If you need to pull yourself back, that's okay. You just want to, you know, use the time if you're pulling back from the world to really take care of yourself so that when these transits pass and you feel more grounded or centered in yourself, you can come back and be a good citizen, right? Be a good, a good uh, neighbor and cousin to your fellow humans and plants and animals and such and thus. The final transit that I'm going to tell you about this week is on February 1st. And this transit is a Venus sextile to Pluto. Again, not the most spectacular or blinding of transits. However, Venus sextile Pluto is excellent for connecting with other people, romantically, platonically, all of it. It's an excellent transit for getting deep and getting real with people, for connecting in a way that feels meaningful to you. This transit's good for looking at your finances. If you didn't buy that thing that you kind of got obsessed with back when Venus was conjunct Neptune, you can go back and buy it on the first. It's fine. This is a good time for shopping. If you've got shopping to do, this is a good time for simply looking at your values. Really, Venus values. I'm obsessed with that connection. Finally, if you meet someone on the first and you're really excited about them and the vibe is really good, I would say that is exciting for you. It's a great transit for meeting someone new, but because it's so close to all this Neptune stuff, give it a minute. Basically, anyone you meet during this time, let it play out. Don't jump to conclusions. And in fact, you can assume that the conclusions you jump to are more about you and what you have a tendency to project than they are about the person that you feel so certain of or so hopeful about. So it's a great time for introspection. It's pretty good, right? That's your horoscope for the week. I hope you, uh, you know, I hope you take it all to heart. Maybe you put it in your planner, do some scheduling around it. All this astrology stuff really is a tool for you to leverage so that you can have a better understanding of you. Isn't that cool? I think that's really cool. May I say thank you to everybody who has supported my work by writing reviews, uh, starring the podcast and the book. If you haven't bought the book yet, I don't know what you're waiting for. It's good. It's going to help you help yourself. Uh, so pick it up wherever books are sold, but whenever you can, support your local independent bookseller. Okay, thanks for tuning in for another week of Ghost of a Podcast. Bye.